Welcome to Running Out of Space, a podcast about collectors, their collections, and how they make room for it all in their lives. My name is Adam Grabarnik, and I've been a collector since I was a child. It began with stickers, which led to comics, which led to toys, sneakers, posters, pins, wine, and on and on and on. Taking a wide-angle view of my obsession for ownership, I've come to see how my collections have become intertwined with my personality and sense of identity. Speaking with other collectors on the internet and in real life, I've come to see that I'm not alone. The Running Out of Space podcast is a celebration of the spirit that unites all collectors. Because it doesn't matter if you collect paintings, watches, stamps, cars, guitars, or Barbie dolls, there is a common component within the collector themselves that transcends the object collected. Though the trophies may be different, the hunters are more similar than they know. My guest today is artist Alistair Lee who has been collecting black markers since the early 2000s. Free from the concept of financial investment, Alistair's practice embodies the purity of collecting as a lifestyle and has left a profound mark on my own pursuits. To see selects of my guests' collections, follow the show's Instagram at Running Out of Space Podcast. Now welcome to the show, Alistair Lee. You know, there's that first thing where you're like, if you don't know the sound of your voice when you hear it, you're like, oh my gosh. And then if you don't know what you look like on video, you're like, oh my gosh. But I'm like blinking like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess these are like just, uh, yeah, just things that you don't even, not even aware that you're doing. Do you have stage fright or social anxiety or anything like that? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I think like, so that's the thing. I'm very good just like, you know, one-on-one. And I yeah. think... You know, uh, yeah, it's, I don't think I have stage fright. I think I just have n- not had to do it as often that- as maybe, you know, like when, again, my girlfriend's just like, yeah, I always have to present in thing or like brand people are always like, yeah, you know, I always have to open off the certain thing or just talk about certain things. I'm always just kind of, uh, you know, I'm just doing the work and then very rarely will I get to address, you know, like 50 or more like people. Do you I don't think I'm, yeah, do you, I don't think I'm like socially nervous. What came first, the, the graphic designing or the the more comfort in isolation? And I'm not trying to be crude by saying comfort in isolation. I'm just saying that the habit or, or the lifestyle of uh, a, a minimal interaction with people. I guess it's not even the minimal interaction with people. I think like I'm a work hermit in general. Like I am so. That's a good word for it. Work oh, hermit. Like people. That. I think it's just like that up leveling of like, you know, like, oh, I have to go to the trade show or I have to go, you know, like I didn't, um, not to say even welcome or just like there's no reason I wouldn't go. I think it's just like I'm not drawn to that aspect of like the industry, I guess. Or just like right. I need to be a figurehead or a face. I'm just like, oh, I'm happy to do the work. And then I'm happy to just kind of, you know, show face and be like, hey, guys, like, you know, and then you just revert back into being a worker. Right. So I don't think, yeah, I'm necessarily like, you know, uh, shy or anything. I think it's just like, I always just think like, you know, same thing with Mike, you know, it's just like when you had the brand, you're just like, 
Greg is the, you know, hey, everybody. Yeah. Mike is just like, I'm in the back end doing all the heavy lifting and hard work. And you know, <laughs> it doesn't need to be, you know, that. Is that how you saw it? Were you up, were you up close? I'm in, I've been in California. I, you're talking about uh, Mike Bortnick. Yeah. Who's, who's a mutual friend. Yeah. And, and that's how we were connected. Yeah. Um, I've known him for over a decade. We speak every day. He oh, actually nice. introduced us. So shout out to Mike Bortnick in yeah. New York. Um, oh, but yeah, he was he he was actually one of the first guests, if not the first guest on this podcast. Yeah, nice. So uh, you can go back and listen to him rant about uh, vintage comic book T-shirts. And he has an amazing collection of them, amongst he, other stuff. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, I think any collector, even as much as you have, you know, 500 plus items or something. If someone was like, where did you get that? It's like people <laughs> will know and be like, I got that at a, you know, a state sale in like 1995. And this sort of, you know, is just like, how do you remember all these different things? And you yeah. don't even, you know, know that you retain that information. But I think when you, you know, you've talked to so many different people collecting and I think there's certain maybe traits or certain, like through points where you're like, oh yes, like Mike could name off every single, it's like, I bought this for like, you know, a hundred dollars off of this person here. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like we uh -huh. all, we all have that sort of, I think memory of our collections as much as like sometimes numbers get out of hand. I think we're just like, oh yes. I think even when you're out in the field and stuff and you're like, do I have this? It's like, we kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people um, think you need to like, catalog collections but like if you if it's your stuff i found that i don't need to be reminded of what i have the doubles thing runs into the fold i, su I suppose is a, is a proper way to say it. like the, the, um but overall you know your stuff so if you see something out in the wild you're like oh, even if you're even if it's like do i have that or don't i have that most likely you'll you'll buy it again i imagine right yeah i think like you know my collection is a little more cost prohibitive you're like oh okay like worse things worse i just like spent two dollars on something i might have already had i think i know record people are very diligent about you know what they have or uploading or kind of you know people that grade all their stuff and yeah. slap it all they're very like okay this i have a 6.5 but i want a you know eight or something or a nine and then they're just very like like that i think Sometimes I'll do that where I'll have a placeholder of a marker and I'm like, well, this is kind of dinged up and kind of, and I'm like, oh, this will be a placeholder until I can get, you know, a better one. Um, even if, yeah. You just have internal I find like when you're passionate about it, you don't need to kind of write it down. You It just is stored naturally because yeah. you're so dialed into that specific thing. Yeah. Oh, just you know? funny. Like, yeah, memory prompts and yeah. say, just kind of like... I've always had this collection in the back of, you know, whatever I'm doing. And then when I see it again, or someone that asks about like, Hey, you know, let's talk about your collection. I'm like, Oh yeah, I have this collection and I really like it. And I've spent, you know, a good chunk of time perhaps curating or documenting it, but I just never feel that it's, you know, like work or anything. I'm like, well, this is, yeah, it's just part of, yeah, part of what I'm, what I'm doing, yeah. Which is very interesting because there's, there's a utility to what you you collect. So, like, the first kind of question that I had when I found out about you was, do you believe in things like animism where 
objects can have a, a soul or an essence. Um, do you think that in regards to pens, especially with, and I've heard this from like artists talking about the life that a certain brush has, the stroke that a certain pen has. Do you find that? Do you find that some of your um, markers in your black marker collection have a life to them when you use them or something that, that kind of charges you in a certain I way? I think there's, you know, there's a certain romanticism any artist has with their tools, whether it's like, you know, oh, this is my first MacBook or this is the marker that I use to make this series of things. And sometimes it heightens the importance of it. Like maybe my first 10 markers, it wasn't anything like vintage or cool. It was just very utilitarian. But I'll be like, oh, but I drew, you know, this entire series with it. And for whatever reason, like this elevates this sort of very basic like stockroom marker into like, that's one of my favorite markers. And people would be like, why? And it's like, well, you know, like I just know it and I use it. And I think that's how people develop preferences for things. Um, yeah, sometimes I just talk to, you know, other artists and people will be like, oh, I really miss this marker and it's discontinued. And, you know, when I was living in say like Japan, this is all I used before Posca. And I think there are, you know, whether it's skateboarding or graffiti or, you know, people have a certain emotional attachment. Um, I guess that's what collection is to, to the things that you, to the things that you use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you find like each certain pens jar certain memories like you were talking about earlier? Like do, do, do your pens serve as some sort of time capsule? Like, do you not have to write it down because uh, you can kind of have recall when you see a certain, certain marker of yours? So I think like the first process I start collecting them and then I started drawing them at like a one, one scale. So I think when you start having to like, render something you just spend a little more time with it um so i think before you know it, it's just like you start something and you're like okay well i just first you know i drew the first 25 markers one one scale and then you're like at 50 and then 100 and then you're like you know nobody's making me draw them but you know for me i'm just like well this is now part of the documentation <laughs> right you know spending time and looking at it and kind of measuring it out and i think you know that that extra bit um and then making some sort of like website entries as if you're you know it could be insects or butterflies i think that extra sort of uh care into something um i think from your original question i think it's like there's certain markers that you know the ones I use, I'll have a certain memory attachment, but then there's other ones that you're just acquiring like a vintage marker, but it'll be a reminder of where you got it or mm -hmm. what you were doing at the time. Um, but then, you know, there's sometimes it's just like even an innocuous, like I went to Daiso and got this like dollar store marker. Like the marker isn't really that great or special or, you know, prized, but I'm like, oh, okay. I remember going to Daiso with, you know, friend in like san francisco and this is when i got it and you know it might not be a like remarkable <laughs> you know story but it is still um yeah just like a nice moment you know yeah does it matter what you do with the marker um in in terms of any because you're a graphic design you're a graphic illustrator uh, right oh uh, yeah you, are you hand strictly hand style or are you also uh, on the computer i think like a lot of it is 
digital, I think like, you know, over the course of like, you know, decades, it's like a lot of the times in the beginning, that's what started the marker collection. I was just using black markers to render these like large Chinatown works. And I would mm -hmm. just, you know, marker, 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 marker. And then I was like, okay, like I'll, I'll keep these. And I think, um, you know, it becomes strictly utilitarian. And then I think as I started gaining more markers, I'm like, oh, okay, you just start I'd say everything is special. Like part of it is like, I think a lot of the markers, you know, as a graphic um, artist, I appreciate, you know, it's like, oh, the font or the type or like the way the layout on the marker is, you know, there's certain things you're like, wow, this is just like a really nice, you know, marker. Um, and then other ones you're just like, well, I need to do some numbers. So, so I'll just get some common markers. But I think, uh, yeah, I do a mixture of like hand-drawn illustration and then, digital but i think you know that that collecting of markers i'll always have a a certain um i guess affinity or a sort of yeah special special sort of bit of like yeah you know like yeah i just spent so much time just like drawing on the floor did but you have a yeah, favorite I think, marker I think as a, a lot kid of people are like that, with that. did you have a favorite uh, you know just crayola like you know you that's that's your you know you have your little like yeah pencil case uh-huh i think it's just be like your crayola yeah markers or then like the mr sketch like the ones that are scented uh -huh. um are usually like favorite markers yeah i remember when i was a kid i used to love pens i used to love pencils i used to love the different types of um surfaces that the pencil or the, or, or the pen was made out of i liked the um the point of the pen i liked how i liked the differences in how things write um i liked the um just the whole experience certain pens had better experiences for me yeah. um, so i when i heard that that you collect markers i get it like i understand like the affinity towards it the as an object they're very interesting because they're so different and you you know we we look at them as something that we just you know write a check for or, you know day-to-day -day type of operation stuff but I guess I'm I might be being a little too new agey about it because it it does come down to a utility aspect of it but there's also like something about having a good pen in your hand when you're writing something you kind of have a little spark or at least I have a spark that comes definitely. out of certain ones over other ones definitely I, I think as you say through the ages you know people are always like ah you know like people always had oh this is my pen and then right. now people don't have the pen and it's like oh this is my tools and now people i think designers will look fondly as like oh this is my like i have my zip drive and this is my first mac like you know <laughs> you always appreciate your tools and how far you've come or you have this look on you know the things that, that you're nostalgic for yeah in creating some of your your earliest works but i think um yeah i think for for that way even if i don't use markers or i haven't used markers to, to make something in a while i'll still always appreciate you know that as you say it's like a a, a through line of just creation i guess uh -huh. or you know what what the marker can be used for um you know if it's just writing down your ideas or you know writing down like song lyrics or something i think mm -hmm. you know sometimes you'll see um yeah like historical significance or importance of the actual marker that was used like somebody from, I'm getting the, uh, I think they were, 
I'm getting the credit wrong, but somebody reached out to me and they were doing a research paper on Alexander Girard and they had this like black and white photo of a marker and they were like, uh, out of chance, do you know what this marker is? And I was kind of like, how am I going to know what kind of, and then as soon as I opened up the attachment, I'm like, uh, yeah, I think this and this and this. You so did I, know. Um, with a bit of, you know, you see a silhouette and then yeah. you're just like, okay, I think I know what this is. And then you see, you know, I saw it and I was like, I think this is an action marker. They were produced, you know, you do a little more research. You're like, they were produced in New Jersey at the time he was working in New York. Like it's usually a textile marker, like action marker made Dalo. And then Gerard was doing textiles. So you put all these pieces together and sometimes you're just um, amazed. It's like, you know, Gerard is like, you know, a master of, of graphics, but it was just interesting that this, um, this curator was reaching out and being like, but what is he using? And I think sometimes um, when people reverse engineer, I think there's a lot of artists that, you know, they're like, how, how is this person making this? Or mm -hmm. what are they using? And, you know, you can know and still be like, well, you know, there's part of it that's the tool, but then there's part of it that's obviously the artist and the artist's hand and the artist's mind mm -hmm. doing whatever you do to use that marker. You know, you give mm -hmm. like a marker, the same marker to 50 people, everyone's going to do something different. But I still think it's, you know, as you say, it's, it's just interesting. Um, yeah, as, as, as a symbol of things. I think like even through like my collecting of markers, like I'll look at, you know, the Beastie Boys um, check your head that Eric Hayes did for it. You know, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll be like, what marker did he use? Right. You know, you're trying to, you know, it's important to me. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of like, wow, you know, like apart from, you know, the, the act of creation, sometimes you just like to know, you're like, what is, what is he using? Or what are, what is that person like, you know, making something with? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's just kind of like neat in some ways. Like yeah. also the tools. It's not just like a number game. Yeah. It's not just like, Hey, I'm just collecting markers, collecting markers, you know, you know, not to say like baseball card collectors or, you know, it's, it's, I think it's not really attached to money. Perhaps that's one of the things that not to say like pure or impure, like if you want to collect whatever you want to collect, that's great. Um, but there's, you know, it's not value driven. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, commodity like that. So for me, it's more like, well, you know, we're all artists and creatives. And I think when, you know, when you're saying like, yeah, there's the nostalgia for when we were kids, you know, everyone kind of understands like, crayons markers like stationary like trapper keeper your binder like there is that pride i think when we were kids like that was our earliest strangely it's just like status symbols at a certain point in time you know you're like oh you have the big three in one pen versus like oh man i don't have you know i just have i just have this other pen you know um yeah it's kind of a weird way to just like be like, oh wow, like you could do your back to school shopping and you'd be like, wow, this is the certain marker that I'm getting, and then this is the pencil case, and you know, all that sort of thing. You decorate it. So perhaps it's a carryover of that. But um yeah, no, like it's it's interesting. Like when I talk to you, it's like, you know, just the idea of just like marker as a tool. Like I know a lot of people will be like, the laptop is their tool, and they'll be like, Oh, I'm gonna sticker it, like you sticker a skateboard. It's yes. just like the funny sort of connections of just like this is my thing and you know i'm gonna make you know whether it's a case or something or it's like this is the vein 
you know, people appreciate that. I think, uh, yeah, probably does date back to like, well, this is my pencil case. I'm going to take my liquid paper and decorate, you know, or draw on it. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Toronto, Canada. Is that where you are now? Yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Nice. So do they have uh, good stationery stores in the city still? There's one called Squibs, and it's been there since 1920s. It's a bit like 20 minutes. It's in a town called Weston, and I only visit it maybe in 2016. Um, but they had they had stuff, yeah. But were I they think around when you were a student, like when you were going? Uh, going no, like, yeah, it was. It wasn't like my neighborhood stationery store at all. I think. Um, yeah, there'd be a certain times where I'd actually just put in research and be like, okay, I'm going to drive to this store and see if they have old things. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I think there was never really one like independent. Well, actually there was, there was this guy, Daniel's art supplies. Um, and he had an art store in, in Chinatown and he had all these old markers. But I think when I was younger and I would go in there, he, uh, you know, when you're young and you don't, you wear baggy pants and I think you just give off a vibe of like, Hey, like you're going to do something funny. So I was never able to uh, like crack him or like make friends with him. But, you know, I maybe like say like seven years ago or eight years ago, you know, you're just a bit like, okay, like now I'm, you know, I present better. And uh, yeah, he'd moved his store and I was like, Hey, you know, you still have old markers. <laughs> He's like, yes, I have old markers. And I'm like, can I rummage through every single, you know, aspect of your shop to find certain things? And he's like, yes, you can. And I'm like, I would have never been able to have done it, um, you know, when I was like 16 or 17, just because he's like, what are you doing here? Like, get out of here. Why? What was wrong with your steez back then? Baggy pants? Uh, I think, yeah. I don't know. That's the, I think that's the, you know, we've talked, to, I've talked about this with Daniel and I'm like, hey, I used to come in here as a teenager and you would just never give me like, time of day or i'd ask to see something and you just and he was you know he was just like oh yeah i think i just like you know you just look like some punk kid yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i'm like oh okay you know Um, yeah so i was just like well you know i think sometimes i think like yeah maybe adult shopkeepers only want to deal with you when you're an adult and you're like i need xyz like they don't have somebody be like do you have any old stuff in the stock room or anything in the basement but yeah i think like i said as i've gotten older that is one of the neat things about collecting and i'm sure every single collector will tell you these sort of things it's like what you see ground level is like cool and then you're like oh how what's the mystery or how do you unlock like the basement um or just being able to (laughs) dig around everywhere and, uh, you know, it, it is interesting, I think, on, on that level. You can talk to any collector and be like, you know, how'd you get into the basement? How'd you get into the stockroom? And right. Sometimes it's just like finding that personal collect- connection or finding that sort of similarity or kind of being like, hey, I appreciate what you do. Um, and then other times, you know, it's just an uncrackable. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you can't come in too hot. You can't, yeah. you can't yeah. come in. You got to play a lot of times. Like the long game is the best sort of game. Yeah. 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 I, I think 
definitely long game. And then there's certain people that you're just like never going to crack. Right. Because Who are like, those people for you? Uh, okay. So in, <laughs> uh, there's a lady in, in Bangkok that she had like stuff from like the fifties and sixties and seventies. And I think she changed her shop to like more of like gift bags and like, you know, uh, sort of bulk or wholesale. And I remember going in and I'm like, okay, there's just a bunch of bags, but then I'd move some things and I'm like, oh, you have stuff from the fifties and you know, I want it. So you'd kind of be like, can I buy that? And then she's like, no, we only sell bags. And you're like, well, if you're not willing to sell something that you've had from the fifties to somebody like a shop owner will either be like, yes, look at everything I have. I've had this stuff forever. Like, give me some money for it. Or like, no, mm, for whatever reason. And then there's someone in Japan, I think, unfortunately, I think he, he was a hoarder. Um, it was like, there's only two stationary stores that like, they just didn't want to sell. And the first guy had like a lot of stuff, things that I'd never seen before. And I'd made, made an entire pile, like, for the first half hour, I was in there by myself making the pile. And, you know, usually, generally, like, I'm like, okay, you know, an owner will come out and you're just happy to give them, you know, your money and be like, wow, I found these old things. And usually they're like, wow, that's very old. Like, thank you for coming in. But this guy was just like, no, this is all my stuff. And like, you can't be taking this from me. And, oh, I don't care about your money. And you're just like, okay, well, you know, at that point, kind of just like, well, it's only stuff like as much as, you know, as much as like there were things in there that I would have loved to have in my collection. I'm like, well, you can't really do <laughs> anything about somebody that doesn't want to sell to you. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, everybody has been receptive um, as, as an original store owner of clearing out their things. Um, and if you, yeah, if you say you're passionate about something, sometimes they're like, wow, you know, right it's cool that you're getting it or you're having it. Um, yeah. So yeah. you encounter pens and markers f from the fifties, anything earlier than then? Um, do they have ink in them or are they all dried up? Are they really well preserved? I think there's certain things that are like, I always just say like fifties as a, as an early one. Cause I think there's like a lot of these glass bottle markers. Like I know there was like one place in Bangkok where I saw like original pilot markers. Usually when there's like a glass bottle marker, it's like a small stubby one. What glass bottle? Is that like an inkwell on the pen? Is that what you mean? Uh, it's, it's like the, the canister is, is glass. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like these are kind of, so it'll be like under there that like that's a glass bottle. Like some of the right. early markers were like. Oh yes. Okay. Oh cool. Oh cool. Nice. Oh yeah. okay. Cool. So usually they're stubby, but then I saw these like ones in, in Bangkok, and like they were just normal, like sort of fat size, like like maybe like this. And that's what I'm thinking of, of when you're talking about of, markers. They, those were made out of glass. And I was like, whoa, you know, like if they were making things out of glass, I think those are very like early, like to me, earliest examples. Yeah. Of markers. Um, perhaps. And then, you know, I think that it's funny because it's like, I think when you collect, you not to say you make up stories, but I think, you know, like, like anybody just to try, try to make examples. I'm like, 
maybe in the 40s they were rationing for the war so things were made out of glass rather than metal um so yeah i don't know that's the sort of logic <laughs> that i had where it's like oh if you're finding glass markers it's gonna be you know like pretty old are you geared more towards finding the older ones or the the less um produced ones you know, there's like other things where it's like antiques or there's a, there's a very like, you know, a great like something to reference. I don't really have a reference right. point where it's like, you know, people say you collect what you collect. I think naturally I'm drawn to older items just for aesthetic and, and difference. And I don't know particularly what might be super rare other than like, oh, I've never seen this before. And I've looked at a lot of places. So I think. Um, you know, there's obviously a joy in finding something you've never seen before, but there's a difference between like, oh, I've never seen this dollar store marker made in 2000s versus like, oh, I've never seen this like 1950s um, version of this pilot marker that I've mm -hmm. seen. Like, there's this marker that is, uh, so there's like a simple like Pentel, like white, like marker. And I think a lot of people have seen like the super updated versions, but like this one has like, oh, this is the different font. And then there's like the different, like, there's like little bits where, you know, I'm not like, Eureka, I found a dinosaur. <laughs> you know, like this is an amazing, but I'm like, oh, that's kind of, you know, interesting to me. Right. Um, you know, that I found like an earlier version of something. There's obviously categories and subcategories. So there's things where I'm like, yes, I love finding vintage, but then there'll be certain things where I'm like, I love finding like bootleg versions of something. So even that'll be a subcategory where yeah. you're like, yeah, like a Zebra McKee is probably one of the most like bootlegged, you know, markers. And sometimes for me, I'm like, you know, it's a funnier other challenge to be like, I'm going to go to all the dollar stores in Chinatown and see how many different funny variations of this one marker there are. So it can range. It's like, you know, as enamored as I am about finding vintage, sometimes I like finding, you know, bootlegs or sometimes there's like branded um markers like campbell's soup company made uh -huh. markers um pan am made markers um you know just certain ones that are you know a bit a bit different um so yeah i think like i said i think sometimes it becomes a, a numbers thing for me where i'm like well i am collecting black markers like i do have to pick this up yeah uh, even if i have no you know personal attachment or like oh wow like this is a really cool marker um but then yeah there are other ones where i'm like wow this is really like special or different or unique um there's one marker like some some stuff is like regional or there's like a company called like jiffy marker and it was a canadian or the canadian distributor of Artline. So I think sometimes you'll be like, oh, wow, you know, like when you say like rarity or, you know, decades, sometimes it'll go geographically where I'll be like, oh, okay, these are like the Canadian markers. These are um, American markers. These are Japanese markers. These are, you know, um, heritage, like Mexican markers. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, again, the collectors will be like, oh, this is the, you know, Argentinian G.I. Joe, or this is the, you know, it, it, it's such a diverse, um, able to categorize and, and collect different things. So it is just kind of nice to see, yeah, or different things. And there's no record, right? There's no roadmap for for acquisition with markers, are there? Are you, are you pretty much peerless 
Do you, are there I, other collectors in the world that, that do what you're doing? There's definitely collectors. And I don't think it's like Peerless isn't, you know, I know you're not using it in like, oh, hey, like Peerless. I'm not, oh, yeah, like Marker is. No, so I'm not implying that at all. It's actually, it's it's cool to me. It's it's quite nerdy, honestly. Like you're collecting um, markers. It's interesting. It's 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 different and unique. I just yeah. need I just want to know if if you have a hard time um uh being able to find stuff simply because there's is there a community of marker there collectors? Is a community of marker okay. collectors. So I think like in the mid I don't even know how to reference the decade like 2010. Sure. I think there'd be a lot of marker collectors that um you know, you kind of be pen pals with. Right. Uh, and then you're like, oh, you know, like this person, like friend of mine, Marcus, who live in Germany. And you'd be like, hey, like I'm getting, here's all these old like editing markers. And you would trade things, um, you know, sometimes people, like for me, I just collect black markers mostly. Like I'll pick up everything else, but usually that's in a weird way, like trade sort of material. Yeah. So like there'd be certain people will I'll be like, here are all my vintage like other colored markers but if you have vintage black markers from your country like we'll trade them um can you tell different ink qualities with these markers or different brush qualities in these markers do you ever do you use every single one i know you earlier yeah. i wanted to touch on this you say you you render them one-to-one -one. part of your collection is also you draw yeah. a a copy of uh, a graphical representation of each marker that you have right yeah. That's wild. I love that. And do so, you use the marker that you bought to make the marker rendering? So, uh, you know, if, if I drew the marker, I don't uh -huh. use the marker itself to draw the marker because in certain cases, like you just wouldn't be able to. Like if you have a jumbo yeah. marker, you're never going to be able to get the details. Right, right. But I would draw things like this and then like coming up from it, I would be like, oh, now here is the like mark that it makes as a reference. Are you showing me drawings of markers or is that a photo? Are those your drawings in that? Yes. That's incredible. Like in a magazine. Um, but yeah, it's just That's like so a production. Cool. So like yeah. I would just have the markers and then be like, okay, take the cap off of this marker and be like, okay, make like the sample line and right. show the inequality, the width, the, the everything. There are certain classifications where you kind of invent your own sort of grading or your own you're like, what is the nib type? You know, right. like bullet, chisel. And then you're like, what are the nib measurements? And then you're just like, whoa, this is kind of really getting nerdy even for me. I'm like, this is a two millimeter on this side, <laughs> but then on this other side, it's a five millimeter. And then you're like, okay. And then you start getting into, like people were like, you know, you should kind of describe it like a sommelier. So being like, oh, what is the, <laughs> what is the aroma of, right. the, of the, you know, Marker. So sometimes you'll be like, oh, it's heavy alcohol, or sometimes it's like, oh, it has a you know fruitiness. Yes, or a, yes. You're just yes. Like, okay, like that's another like classification or grading scale. And then yo, a sommelier of markers. That's 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 incredible. Someone who would yeah. just like smell the brush. That's yeah. Funny. I think that, you know there's certain things that people say like yes, like they have xylene or they have certain things. And then I, yeah. even in like whiteboard markers whenever you write with them and then you see it afterwards, it'll always have a brown hue. Uh -huh. uh, there's certain other ones that'll always have like a faint, like indigo, like everything Crayola always leaves like a Crayola, like a, an indigo hue. And I think, you know, after a while you see the different ink properties or you'll see certain things that are mixed in with things. 
and uh yeah i guess again it's just about being detail oriented or spending time with with all these different right um markers that i have but like yeah onto the marker itself through through the drawing and through the cataloging and through the use of things um especially when i was like drawing like large scale bits i'd be like oh okay like this is showing up as blue but now that i know that if i want this effect you know i'll use this blue or you know this one will show up brown or this one will show up like true 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 like black um yeah sometimes it's just again it's a character character properties of you know the tools you use so it becomes this sort of like oh i'm using them and i need them to do this but then it'll be like oh also now it's just an object that i'm collecting or then mm -hmm. like oh wow this is a great example of you know um like typography or you know certain design characteristic mm -hmm. like uh you know like just like some random like nerdy stuff like you learn it's like there's like an avery marker then the avery logo is designed by i feel like saw bass and you're like oh wow that's really cool um you know there's just these intersection of like design graphic design um art stuff mm -hmm. that i that i do that it, it all interests me yeah, which is something I also wanted to get into the the graphic design of the pen itself, and you just answered the question. Yeah. Um, that does matter, and it's it's fascinating to learn that you're even aware of the graphic designer who designed the logo on the pen. That's In impressive too. Some cases, like I think that I would, you know, when I have time, sometimes I'd be like, okay, like you do a bit of more of a deep dive of like, okay, where was the original factory and then. Who was you know and, and in researching that people you know the information will come up and you're just like oh wow like mm -hmm. here's another sort of you know interesting thing about about this marker um but yeah i think you know any sort of type person or any sort of graphic designer like that just appreciates just like you know like font or like mm -hmm. different, like construction of bits and even mm -hmm. just the way how like certain color combinations go or even like little icons like this seagull yeah of this like you know marker i think you know I'll, I'll look at that stuff and be like oh wow that's really interesting i think it's just certain characteristics of certain markers you see even just the construction aspect so sometimes it'll jump from you know like the type isn't like really cool but the actual object you know yes right of like the cap and then like this this really like nice nib and just the overall construction of things i think yeah. you know things appeal to you in different ways as like a designer and being like oh wow this is just like one piece like all the way through um it's not like a screw off like this is one entire molded piece and then that comes off i think um you know there's a lot to appreciate within each marker and marker variants and whether it's a combination of as you say branding logos typography actual construction um and then yeah just historic i guess um yeah what i'm looking at the, when you were just showing me all that different stuff I, I i had this overwhelming urge to ask like what when you see all the pens together what's the story that that's unfolding here and the word that kept coming into my brain is this is a historical document is it a historical document of work, workmanship penmanship is it a historical document of commerce? Like the pen is such, it has so many different, you can take, you can have so many different meanings involved in it. But I imagine when you see your collection 
in mass, when you see it all at once, there must be something else that you're also discovering yourself. Can you touch upon that at all and help me out here? Because I, I, I'm, I'm being so like, it's on the tip of my tongue of like what I'm trying to figure out because there's so many things that, that are coming at me when I'm looking at these different pens already. And I'm, I'm just seeing a few when you see them all together. What, what, what's, what do you feel? I would have to say, you know, when you say like, Oh, you don't want to sound new agey. I think like it really is, you know, it's, it's the documentation of tools that human beings use. Like, you know, sometimes when you, like people that collect old hardware stuff, sometimes you'll just be like hammer, 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 level, level, level. And you'll pick it up and be like, this was used to build this person's house. Like there's a story, there's attachment, there's, you know, to go back to your point about like, is there, you know, animus about certain objects? Mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, yeah. Like if you did an archeological dig and be like, oh wow, here's pieces of pottery that people stored food in. You know, I think it is just very, as you say, utilitarian items, but these are items that, you know, perhaps people use to do plans for, you know, the Eiffel Tower or something, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or kind of like, hey, you know, as a fashion person, it's like, hey, I did all the sort of like early bits for, you know, whatever fashion brand from the 60s, and this was the DNA of something. I think, um, yeah, for markers, it's just, maybe the unifying thing is just like the act of creation. Mm -hmm. um, and as you say, it's just like a, as a tool, like I think, you know, sometimes like when we were kids, it's like we would just collect like rusty nails or something, you know, it's just like that object that you kind of are like, ah, oh, this is a symbol of, you know, combination of we were here, plus this is the foundation of perhaps whatever came next. And, you know, like it's, you can see, you know, work, you can see all, you know, amazing things. But I think if you were to see like, oh, wow, these are like Michelangelo's brushes, like there's a romanticism about like, oh, sure. wow, this is an actual brush. But if you just saw, you know, and I think, yeah, in other terms, like sometimes you're just, yeah, when you see people's, yeah, people are numbered, I think, by the by the tools of what people use. Yes. So, yeah, perhaps the through line of a, a lot of these things is, um, you know, just, I guess as object, but then, yeah, as, as, as variances of things. Yeah. I can say off the bat, bringing back, going back, circling back to your your Hayes comment, like to have the marker that he used to to draw out the check your head, yeah, um, logos and fonts would be a cool object to have. Don't you agree? One hundred percent. I think yeah. there's you know there's a certain <laughs> like even you know like I say there's this like all all these sort of um, yeah there's all these sort of you know pictures of artists throughout history and you'll see them with something and people are like what is that what are they using. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's that intersection of there's like a lot of graffiti writers that are, you know, a member of the marker community and are like, this is what I use and this is what I did my first tag with. And this is, yeah. you know, they're very a combination, again, of historian and like keepers of, of, of tradition. And, um, you know, there's that segment, there's people that are, you know, just, you know, all sorts of through all different walks of life of just like, you know, this unifying thing of like, well, you know, here's this thing. This is what I use it for. This is what I remember using it for. Um, yeah. I'm got Yeah. Um, also, there's an aspect of it's a, it's something that isn't really supposed to be collected. I had a guest on that collects Pyrex. Okay, and yeah. a, big, a big part of it was a, a really good part, interview. 
Yeah. Go ahead. Say again. Really good interview. I like I like that one. But yeah. The, the oh yeah. No, it was it, she was great. But a big part. Of, thank you for listening to that. But a big part of her fascination with it was that it was Pyrex are things that served a function, mm-hmm. and um, they've become a kind of collector's item, and that struck me as so interesting. And it's it's it, I have the same feeling with your with your pen collection, which is so impressive to me. It's so unique and so cool is that these are all things that weren't supposed to be um, admired. These are all things that, that, that aren't supposed to be admired. They're supposed to have a function and a form. Now with every design, I understand there's an elegance involved in, in creating it, but it's so interesting to see things that aren't supposed to be collected together. And I think that's also where the magic comes in when you look at all of your markers and when you look at the little details of it is that they're 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 really the 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 result of um efficiency. Yes. I think like the closest sort of, you know, if there was like a cousin of marker collecting, it is like vintage spray paint can collecting yes somebody's job is like well we got to sell this paint and you know here's again a combination of like all these vintages cans and then the label design and then the sort of you know uh, emotional connection that people had to be using them and it's like hey you know some people may you know continue to make amazing amazing work with, with with spray cans but i think again you see these objects and you're just like wow you know like it's they were just meant to be like hey just you know spray your deck or like you know paint your bike or something right. and then throw it away yes and then throw it away and then it becomes this you know like series or something to kind of like you know um yeah collect and i think uh yeah with, when people say you're just like yeah finding finding what you like to collect that's meaningful for you i guess that's why it's like collecting spray can- cans is a good cousin to what i do it's like a lot of you know, a lot of like writers would be like, yes, we have like the biggest collection of cans. Um, there's right. these um, collectors, cap, cap matches color collective. Um, and I think they have probably North America's largest collection of um, vintage spray paint cans. And, you know, sometimes we'll trade messages and they're like, yes, they go around East Coast and just go to old hardware stores and clear places out and very similar to, you know, um, what I do. It's like, they're fans of, as you say, the design, the graphics, the aspects of things and the connection to, you know, their own personal craft or their own personal history of creating images and artwork with um, with, 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 with the material. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, perhaps there is, you know, I think the more, the more people, you know, you talk to their collections about, I think sometimes are just very like, yeah, it's really neat to see that, as you say, the connections and the through lines, um, especially with the Pyrex. Because even in that aspect, you know, I'm like, the more you get out there, you're just like, okay, like if you see it and it's marked with Pyrex, and then there's even in that, people will be like, I only collect the Jade series, right? Yes. I only collect books. And like, you know, my friend Warren will be like, here's the C like handle and here's the D handle and this is the <laughs> difference. And, you know, I think like we, any collector just appreciates that further knowledge or the further sorting and you know there's all these certain characteristics where you're like look for this and look for that and this is how you'll know 
um and it is as you say it's just like uh yeah it's yeah it's like i say it's a weird one it's like i i know i have an active collection but i don't necessarily you know a lot of times people will be like are you obsessed with markers and i'm like kind of but not like like in spurts it's like you know i'll be like oh yes here's this part of you know um you know that, that i like doing but not like every single day i'm like markers markers markers, <laughs> like, need to find markers. like you know like what's the valuation of markers what's you know like oh how can i find more markers yeah um i know you know like i would sometimes get markers on ebay but i think at, not to say that you know at some point in time you just have to go on sites like that because you're not going to find things in, in the wild but you know i prefer to find things in person um i'm sure if you know, I was dedicated to finding, you know, going online, I'd probably get more mm -hmm. vintage markers. And like I said, it's just like when you're your own person, it's like, yes, I like collecting markers, but I don't necessarily have to, um, I don't necessarily have to, you know, yeah. Like, I don't always have to just be like, oh my gosh, I need to say like, get 20 new markers this month or like, oh, like, wow, like it's time's a ticking. I really need to be doing this. I think- right. Part of it is like when I first started collecting, it was like I would, I'm a numbers person, I think. Whenever there's certain things where I'm like, okay, here's 25, here's 50, here's 100, here's 250, here's 500. I think as soon as I broke a thousand markers, I was kind of like, oh, um, I don't need, perhaps there's like less pressure. It's like, well, what's the next number that I'm right. going to get? So after that, like there's a little less pressure to, um perhaps acquire like i think i remember when i was at like 750 i'm like okay you know what like let's just keep on getting some markers so they're not going to be like amazing again like some of them are like here's this dollar store marker or i would go on to um like certain marker sites like industrial markers and be like okay mm -hmm. i'm ordering 15 different markers just to get like you know the, the numbers up numbers up numbers up but then as soon as i hit a thousand i'm like okay i can kind of rest and you know, that was probably 2014. So I haven't, you know, been actively, you know, super collecting, but I will always look for new bits. What sparked um, it? What what clicked where you're like, I'm a markers guy. I'm, I'm going to not, I mean, it, it's, I want to get to where, how you um, started your artistic journey, but when did you add on marker collector to your repertoire? Like what, when was like the click of, I want to collect these. I don't just want to use them. I want to actually document them uh, and um, amass them. When did that happen? Like 2002, 2003. I lived in London, UK. And I was just drawing these big Chinatowns um, series. Like that's another thing that I'm into is like documenting Chinatowns around the world. And again, I would just like sit in Chinatown and do these sketches and drawings. And then I'd make these larger scale works. So, um, you know, I keep my markers in a, in a shoebox. I used to work at a, a, at a sneaker store in Portobello market. Um, you know, so I'd always have these like shoe boxes and I'd be like, okay, like these are the five markers that I use. You know, most of them were from the stock room. There was like an Impega. There was like a Gilbert. There was this other marker from, um, the markets and then some, 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 some pound shop markers. And I'd be like, okay, you know, here's 
six or seven markers in a shoebox. And then I'm like, I think I started like looking at them and being like, okay, I'm going to separate the individual ones and then start trying to find new ones. So, um, you know, I would go to like older stationery stores in Portobello and I'd find these old like little magic marker bits and being like, oh, okay. Like in addition to finding all the new ones, like I would go to like, just like the general art stores and be like, okay, here's like this black marker. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm buying it, I'm buying it, I'm buying it. Um, but then when I started going to the old stationery stores and I'm like, oh, there's a vintage aspect to this right. collecting. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, and again, it's like around 25 and I'm like, okay, like this is quite manageable, still fits in a shoebox. It's right. what I like. I'm drawing, like, I'm, this is what I'm into. Like it's cheap. Like there's no, you know, pressure. Nobody's like, oh my gosh, like, where are you finding these markers? I'm like, I'm going for a walk and right. pop my head in the store. Um, but then, you know, I remember going to like Paris for Chinese New Year and being like, oh, let me see if there's some markers here, you know, mm -hmm. and then you'll find you're like, oh, like Bic is really popular here. And then you find the variations of that. And then you start, I think that kind of clicked that I'm like, from 25 markers to 50 markers. I was like, oh, okay. I think between the traveling and the using it for um, the work that I was making, I think I started just conscientiously being like, okay, like markers are probably my thing. It's a very low, <laughs> you know, I'm just as like, yeah, I think like at the time, you know, I, I always say this, like at the time, like everybody was collecting like, you know, sneakers and records and mm -hmm. you know, vinyl plastic toys. And I think part of, you know, yeah, part of having a collection is obviously like, you know, flexing on other collectors and people being like, oh, wow, you know, like, did you get this? Do you have this? Yes. And I'd be like, I don't have like money for that, but I can, you know, have, have a bunch of markers. Yeah. And I think I can quietly like amass, <laughs> you know, some numbers on this and it'll just keep me again. Like, because it's like, if you don't have money to go out, you're just like, well, I guess I'll just collect these markers and then draw some of these markers. And that'll, that'll, that'll be what I do in my spare time. Um, so yeah, just, from 2002 onwards, I think it just, again, like it's like you hit the 50 mark, you hit the 100 mark, you hit the, you know, whatever other mark. And then, you know, whenever I would just continue to travel or like just be in different cities, I'd be like, okay, let's spend a day, you know, um, actively, you know, trying to look at stores that would have markers. And you just went on a big trip, right? You you were telling me in our um in our initial emails that you were just on a trip to Japan. Was it Japan only? Um, yeah, stationery stores. Yeah. Wow. Can you talk a little bit? You you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned it here and there, but can you talk about this last trip that you went on? I think it's so cool to have a endeavor that takes you places. I would do the North American cities, you know, and go to New York and be like, okay, like. What are the old stationary stores? You go visit them all. There's probably maybe, you know, only one um, still left. But once you clear out, you know, all those aspects, you're like, oh, well, now where can I go? So I remember like, you know, going to old spots in LA and going to old spots in New York and going to old spots, um, Hong Kong for work, Shanghai for work. And, uh, 
you know, went to Japan in 2019 and I was kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll pop my head into some stationary stores, some old stationary stores, you know, uh, made a Google map and be like, okay, well, I want to see certain like cities, but like while I'm there, I might as well like look mm -hmm. at some stationary stores. Yeah. But this recent trip, like I went from, um, for a month from October, like 21st to November 22nd and, uh, Starting in January, I just like planned out, you know, on Google Maps, it's quite easy to do. You just k kind of go city to city or train stop to train stop. And then I would look for old stationary stores and you, you know, you put the little man on the street and you kind of look at the angles and you kind of <laughs> see like the signage or see if you can look inside a window. And then I think you read Google comments and sometimes people will be like, I've been going here since I was a kid or this is a very old store. So I'd make this, uh, like pin it and I'd make this spreadsheet. And I think this was, was pretty much what I was doing, you know, when I wasn't working, I think part of it was like, ah, you know, when, when we're able to travel, like this will be my reward for like saving money and just working diligently and not thinking about anything. So, um, when I went to Japan, I think I was just like, you know what, I think, uh, I'm just going like city to city and I'm going to visit these old stationary stores. And, you know, I have a list of 75, but if I can visit 50 of them, um, it's just something I wanted to do while they're still open. Mm -hmm. I think I knew from 2019 um, up until this year, 2022, like a lot of things, a lot of things were already closing because people were getting older. And then I think that was the final sort of thing of, of COVID, of, of, of places just shattering for good. And I think, um, you know, I was really motivated by that and being like, okay, there's old stationary stores in Japan. I want to try to visit as many of them as I can and see what there is from a collector standpoint, but also just from, you know, a people standpoint. You want to see the physical space. You want to see just that, that idea. I think, again, the closest thing that is similar to in North America is like the old hardware store, you mm -hmm. know, like it's very rare to still see a mom and pop or an independent one that hasn't changed. And when you go in there and you say, it's just like, you'll find items that you'll never find before. And it's this, you know, just different experience. So that's pretty much what I did. I started in Onomichi, which is, pretty much halfway across Japan and I would just take uh, the train and I would just go from stop to stop and station to station. And I would have a hit list of like, you know, five or seven stationary stores a day to visit. And I would just do the list, you know, and keep the itinerary and go. And then there's certain ones where, you know, I would spend hours in um, just digging through everything. And then there was some that would just be like, oh, this is closed for good. And you're like, oh, that sucks. Then you're just like again, just follow follow the planning and and, and go from store to store, but uh, it's just a really nice, amazing experience of being able to see firsthand shops, um, yes. stationary shops, owners. Again, like some of them will be like, "I was the original owner." Some of it would be like, "Oh, I'm the son." Some of it would be like, oh, we're the daughters. Some of it would be like, oh, I'm the original owner. Some of it would be like, oh, my, you know, grandfather's grandfather started it. So again, you start getting into like history, you start getting into like family dynamics, you start getting into just like personal stories. So, you know, 
if there's a story in every marker, of course, there's going to be a story in every single store. There's going to be a story of every environment and every single family. And I thought that was a just a really um, special sort of nice little thing to do while I was like, you know, digging or, or collecting. Um, it's a, again, it's a cool way to see a locale. What do these shop owners make of you when you walk in? You know, just sometimes you have no idea what people like think. You're just, sure. just like, oh, like I don't know. But I had a, I had this. I guess I'll like show it. Yeah, I'll have like a reference of it. I, I printed out this this piece of paper, and it's basically like, "Hello, my name is Alistair. I'm visiting <laughs> from Toronto, Canada. I collect, you know, black markers and old stationery. And you know, if you'd be kind enough to let me see some things." Um, so I think that was like very like a good way to break the ice of like, hey, I'm not just like wandering in to see like just your shop, just, you know, right. or whatever pace it would be. I think I would, you know, and I would genuinely mean it. I'd be like, wow, this is a beautiful store. Like a lot of times you'd be like, you know, I'd go into a store and you'd see the way like a display case was made or the walls were made. And you're like, oh, your grandpa made this, didn't he? He's like, yes. And then as soon as you kind of acknowledge that to them, they are like, oh, okay. Like you're not just trying to buy, you know, some copy paper. I right. think you're here to kind of experience or kind of like know our story a bit more. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I just try to be like genuine and kind of, you know, when you, when you sit, sit with people, I think, you know, there's the commonality and just being like, wow, you know, I would just generally acknowledge I'm like, wow, this is a really, you know, great space. And I think this is really cool. And I think, you know, they have that tradition of, you know, whatever your family started, now you inherit it. And now you're doing things. And I think sometimes maybe they're like, ah, oh, I'm stuck. You know, sometimes people say like, oh, now I'm stuck in this business or like, oh, yes. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think like every single owner probably had a different interaction because obviously people just have different um, reactions. But for the most part, you know, there's just some really special ones where you're just like, wow, you know, like, I don't even know how all this stuff from the fifties and sixties ever, like, <laughs> like why, <laughs> why people haven't like found or like visited or, or like come to your store before. And I think like some of the interactions, like I found these old, like, you know, Arsenal soccer, like, uh -huh. and, you know, I think it's 1962. I did a bit of research. It's based on their uniform and their kit. You know, you're just like, why is this here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I find all these like old um, swimming bags from like all these like Showa era. That's cool. Animation bits and being like, okay, like you have all this amazing stuff. So I think um, there were certain ones. Yeah, there's definitely certain stores where you would go in. Like, there's one store I went to, and uh, it was really nice. It's like I saw this old marker drawing on the on the cash wrap on the front of the cash wrap, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, the kid drew Godzilla!" <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, you know, it just clicks with me, in with me, where I'm like, "Oh wow, I'm in Japan, and in you know, in the early '80s, the son of this really old couple with a stationery store." was raised in the stationery store. He got out the marker and he drew this Godzilla. And I was like, that is amazing for me. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah, I think there's, you know, like I said, there's like a lot of like interesting moments 
And I think, yeah, as much as I was planned and, you know, it's the trip, I think, yeah, there's certain times where I just spend like hours with people and then just try to ask them questions about things. And, you know, at that point, they're like, okay, we'll come back here. I'm like, hey, look at this. Or here, look at this like family, um, you know, like the photo album. And then they'll tell you, you know, like story of things. I think that's the one thing that I always, um, sure, it's like feel bad for myself, but it's like when I don't know the language, you know, you can only get surface level a lot of the time. Sure. And I am, you know, I am generally interested in a lot of, you know, yeah, I'm just genuinely interested in hearing people's people's stories. So I think yeah, historically, whenever I've gone to different countries, it's very transactional of like, well, hello, like, I want to buy these markers. And then part of me is like, well, I know, you know, there's a bigger like story and I'd love to be able to speak in your language and know what it is. And I think, you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's just been another part of, you know, collecting. It's like, and, those and those stories are so interesting and your your take on it is so profound because it's not like you're going into some former specialty shop where only a certain type of person would come in. I mean, there are those that keep diaries and journals that you find, but stationary shops, like everybody needs a pen. Everybody needed to write a letter at one point before emails came around. And even now people write letters and cards and stuff. Pens, everybody needs a pen. So you're telling of wanting to hear all of the stories that have come out of that shop, it has a real sentimental value to it because it's such a wide net of people. It's not just a, a specialized collector that you're hearing stories about. You're hearing a, a real tale of the neighborhood that the story that, that the store is in, the town or city that the store is in, and kind of like a wider net of, you know, society around that area because like, you know, everybody, you know, pens, everybody needs a pen in their house. Yeah. I think, as you say, it's just like, again, I think with stationary stores in particular in that culture, and then I'm sure it used to be, you know, North American culture. It's like, that's where you go when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. Well, and you get your school supplies mm -hmm. you know, or like the Walmarts and everything or just buying things online. And you mm -hmm. do have an attachment to those, you know, like local stores. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, obviously things change, but I think yeah. they are a lot of the things like just the way that society is built, it's like there'll be like a school and then the stationary store has been doing business with the school for like mm -hmm. generations and generations. Right. And like when you go there, you get a list and you're like, you can only buy things from the stationary store. So you're like, oh, that's like different. That doesn't exist, <laughs> you know, over here. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you'll just like hear how, you know, that's just even interwoven into their general society of, you know, when people will be like, yes, like my, my kids used to come here or I was here as a kid and now my kid is coming here. Um, again, it's, you know, the closest thing in North America that people have for that is the hardware store. Yes. Um, and that's a good point. Um, my, my clunky, um, uh, diatribe was, was kind of trying to differentiate the stationary store from like, say the clientele of a model train store, where it's okay. very specialized as in who comes okay. in there. Okay, I, I feel like with a with a stationary store, you have a wider net of personalities walking in and out of that place. If you went into an old comic book store, of course they know the value of their things. Right. You're dealing with a different 
owner, you're dealing with a different personality. There are very like, uh, like you are coming to me and I know, and I have this encyclopedic sort of knowledge and I'm just like, oh, don't bother me. You know, just like, who knows? You know, there's I'm a sure transactional understanding. There's almost an agreement that you're you're making when you walk into that shop that you are looking to acquire uh, if you're walking into a comic book, comic book shop in particular, you're looking to acquire something that's hopefully going to um, appreciate in value over time. That's yes. different from a stationary store where like that was another question that I was going to ask you, like, how do they even know what to charge you for some of this stuff? What is amazing, <laughs> amazing. And like, just like they honor, like how everything, all the packaging was like, they would always write, the price on on the box, like uh... so. I think what's common is it's like they'll always, you know, that is like an over sticker, but you know, it'll uh -huh. just say like you know one hundred and fifty yen. But I think even on early like markers, they would write yeah. They usually like write it right on the barrel like what it would be but sometimes like a lot of the owners like they just honor that original price nice but it'll be like oh here's like a 1975 marker and it says 100 yen and they'll look at it and be like oh well it says 100 yen and you're like oh okay <laughs> right um so that was you know again like an, a nice again like that's what makes i think japan very attractive is like as a collector because a lot of the times the things that they see as old i think again if you went into a comic book store people would be like oh that is old you know i'm gonna set this price but yes. there, they're like again as a as a utilitarian item they're like okay well this has been sitting here since the 70s it's like i'd be happy to get the you know 150 yen for it um there's a lot of cases where they uh if something is old and not working they're almost like i don't I can't sell this to you in good faith because it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And it, it, in those instances, like there's a lot of things that some of the owners um, just give to me for free. And I think sometimes I would feel, you know, indebted and awkward, but it's like, you know, I went into one stationary store and, you know, this, this, this nice gentleman, like just gave me this, this old set of wow. um, bottle, you know, early 70s, like late 60s, like Sakura markers. And he'd test them, you know, they open them up, they test every single one. And he's just like, uh, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if you want to buy these, like they don't work. And I'm like, oh no. And then you explain to them, I'm a collector. And then they're just like, you know, here, this is a present for you then. Amazing. Um, you know, I was just like, wow. So I think there's a lot of times where I'm like, I'm finding something really rare that in my head I'd be like, I pay $30 for that, you know, <laughs> I give it to you for free. And then part of you is just like, well, you know, I don't want to like, not to say like waste money, but I'm like, how do I spend now $30 at their store? Sure. Something else, you know? So I think there are scenarios like that where I would buy something that is maybe I wouldn't have bought um, before. Or I will just try to like even it out. So sometimes, you know, you just have to accept a present and be like, well, I don't want to just buy random stuff that I'm not going to use or, or throw out. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that aspect of, of collecting was just like, again, just super amazing. 
when the price is the price and there is not that you know extra bit as you say of like if you wanted into a specialty store mm -hmm. know that there's an online guide as you mm -hmm. say like records or baseball cards or comic book cards that if somebody is retelling them to you they will always reference something and be like okay you know what here's the number yeah there's no like market value associated with what you're doing no and like i say if anything i think the mentality with there was is like this stuff has been sitting here sometimes since the 70s and if you want to buy it you know and it's not working or you're interested in it like they'll always be like hey it was originally like 2000 yen but for you i'll make it 1000 you're like right. cool you know and i think it just made everything you know like i said it's like a joy um and a really nice experience to be like okay well i'm gonna visit all these stores and, and you know if i can put money into people's hands i'm just mm -hmm. happy to go and be there but when you get something i feel uh, as a present or be acknowledged you're kind of like oh maybe that is nice that i'm getting rewarded for either having a passion or persistence or caring about um you know someone's someone's store or someone's shop um so yeah it has been really nice um as an aside i remember like you know there's one store i visited in 2019 that was kind of an old stationary store he didn't really have anything for sale his his shop was more of a it's kind of just like an archive but i remember that was like my favorite stationary store that i visited uh it's called suyama uh it's just like outside of tokyo and that kind of like left this sort of impression on me that I'm like, oh, like, I think there are going to be, you know, within 50 stores, there might be like five or 10 really, really special ones. And let's try to find those special ones. So from 2019 to this one, you know, again, like some of it is numbers. Some of it is like, hey, I want to find vintage things. But I think, you know, what you're really looking for a collector or as a human being or just somebody is like the really nice moments of special moments of like oh yes like i'm in a special place having a special interaction acquiring something for my collection and i think then that, that's where it becomes like well what did you find there you know it goes back to the original discussion we were having where it's like does a marker have symbolism you know there'll be certain markers that i found you know in a place that it's like it's quite common it's nothing special about it. it's not specifically rare but i'll always attach it to like Oh, I went to, you know, Rita Wakayama, walked through this orange field, walked across this, you know, big body of water in the rain to visit this guy, spent, you know, two hours there. And this is what I found. Um, yeah, I would say there's just different, different memory and experience in, in, in how you, you know, how, how, how you acquire things in your collection. And I think, you know, perhaps yeah, perhaps it is a different interaction than how other collectors collect. You know, yeah. sometimes when you go to like an antique place, of course you're finding like what you think you're going to find or this curated selection of thing. I think uh, for me, when I can, it is the best to be able to visit like the actual store. Mm -hmm. To say it's just like, yeah, just to be like, okay, <laughs> like, it's not like you're a mystery shopper, but you're just like, I'm here, you know, don't mind me. It's just like, <laughs> a, this is for 50 cents and a dollar and $2. And I think that's what I've always appreciated about um, collecting black markers. It's like, you're, you know, you're just an anonymous person and there's no, yeah. 
necessarily like a value or like you know, like oh i'm flipping through rare, like rare records or i'm flipping through something that there's like oh how can we angle this person it's like no here's what i find and people will be like why do you like that and i i just collect it and then they'll be like oh you know, that's that's interesting and then yeah they're just happy to yeah pass pass it over so uh that was remarkable um i get it i totally understand and some of these stationary shops must be very uh the energy when you walk into it must be something else too like you can't really describe it but you oh. did a really nice job trying to articulate what you're yeah. that that moment yeah also like it brings it back to the earlier point it does bring in people because there are some there are a lot of people who want a specific type of pen they want a specific type of experience a, a certain type of line that they're looking for and that could take them to different shops and the cross-section of people that come into that shop and the and the needs that are um fulfilled by the owner there have a lot to do with the stories that come out of that shop it's a very unique environment i'm really getting the sense of like how unique these stationary shops are because of the the notion that they're not that that they're they're not geared towards a specialty customer but they're geared towards the kind of um almost like human need Yes. In a specialized way, because anybody who needs a pen, they could just go to the grocery store or whatever. But there are certain people. There was there. There is that lost art of the le of letter writing that was persistent for a very long time. What is really neat is like the everyman or the anonymous person can go in and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm buying these two markers," and you know that anonymous man might be Andy Warhol, you know, mm -hmm. Central Art Supply in New York, and be like, "Oh, like." We're not going to charge him like, I'm going to charge you $500 of those markers because of who you are or whatever. It's just like, I like the fact that like, this is again, as like, it's 100% utilitarian cheap for everybody, for every yeah. single, for every single designer. You're just a person. You're all a part of this one community of people that just are like, you know, you appreciate your tools, you appreciate your art things, you love creativity and whatever you make um, with it is just this other thing you know you can be a five-year-old kid buying a pencil at one of these stationary stores or you could be this like world-renowned you know artist being like oh yeah like there's no difference of like a kid being like i really like this like wide crayon because it fits my hand and i really like this color of blue to somebody that's very particular about like i really need this one you know pen that has this certain ink that has this certain nib that is this certain bit and it's all uh it's all yeah you know, it's it's all viable I, I remember, uh, particularly in my case, I used to, when I was in um, <clears throat> uh, school, I liked using the um, Pilot Precise pens. I was the type of kid that liked certain pens and I would only use certain pens. Anything else I wouldn't use. So I would go out of my way to find them. Um, I also experienced that, um, you mentioned graffiti writers earlier with markers aren't they very particular about the brush yeah. on their markers and the nib on their markers I, I think the graffiti ones are like super interesting because it's like yeah everyone just becomes an artist at a certain point you know mm -hmm. like, apart from the culture apart from all that sort of thing people are just very like down to the like this is the nib that i want to make this effect to mm -hmm. do this so mm -hmm. again you could be a graffiti writer you could be an architect you could be you know like a fashion designer people at that point are just admiring what that 
artistic tool can do and the limitations of what that is to make what they want. So let's see the haul from Japan. It's time to show to do a little show and tell here. What you what are your recent scores? It's a bit of everything. Like I think on on one of like the last days, I thought these were like really neat. Is like it's a old Sakura. Um, is this like ink nineteen sixties like printers ink? Uh huh. Canister. Uh huh. That's um, cool. That was like really neat. Um, and do you again, geek like, out I, on the font? Like, do you do you get really yeah. into like the printing of the fonts and stuff like that, the labels and stuff? It's yeah, the font, it's the label, it's the physicality of the metal. Uh -huh. um, I remember, like, there was this old hardware store in Greenpoint, and I found this old Red Devil paint cans from like the fifties, and it just reminds me of that, where you're like, oh wow, you know, like just the the item, and I guess as you say, like the patina, like a lot of the oil from the um, mm -hmm. ink is like rubbed off and, mm -hmm. you know, yep. it's like saturated it. And that's kind of like, you know, interesting. Like when I went to the store, they didn't have anything old at all. And then I looked in the corner and I was like, what are those up there? He's like, oh, we can't sell them to you. And I'm like, you can't sell them to me because you're collecting them. He's like, nah, they're just like leaking and everything. And I'm like, oh, so they ended up giving like, all of that to me for free and i was like you know i spent maybe like the last day being like emptying <laughs> emptying the ink putting it in a thing like cleaning them just so i could go on the planet right um, as far as like markers like there's interesting stuff like these are like some of the more original like 1970s like pentel markers wow. So like the N50 and N60, like there's a bullet point and a chisel tip, but these would have been the like original, um, you know, versions of them. So Those you can are see cool. the barrel design is the same. The cap design is a different color. And then, you know, you'll, you'll look at things and be like, oh, okay. Like this was the first design. They changed the label. They changed this, but they kept the barrel design. They obviously kept, you know, certain bits. Um, and then when you get into like packaging design, again, as a graphic designer, you're kind Beautiful. of like, oh, this is attractive to me. Yes, um, me too. How people put those together. Um, again, the signifiers, it's like, I guess, like, I like Sakura as a brand. So they'll have these, uh, even the exterior packaging, how they put that. And then there'd be like a signifier where, you know, SG7 is like a sort of, they used to be around a lot. Now they make them out of plastic, but um, the original ones, like there's things after a while, like if they have an extruded logo. Uh -huh. Oh, that's logo, cool. Those mm -hmm. are older, like before, as things continued, like they just would phase out certain design details to make it cheaper to produce. Right. You know, I'd find certain things. And then, you know, even on things where it's like, I'm finding if you if there's a UPC code on something, you're like, okay, well, this is at least, you know, 80s, like 70s. Like you, you try to find certain things within collecting that doesn't have UPC codes. Like to me, that is just like, oh, you're you're, you're quite old at that point in time. Um, wow, I've never even thought about that. That's so true. Of course, it's obvious. These are interesting. These like these speed dry markers. And I always associated speed dry and magic marker with like uh UK, because like that's where I would find like the most like magic marker when people uh -huh. say, oh, magic marker as like, you know, Kleenex or Xerox. Right, right. And when I looked at it, it was like, oh, these are actually made in Japan. It's the people that produce Texta. It's the people that produce magic ink. Uh, they're based in Osaka. Um, 
been around, you know, very, very long time. But it just clicked to me that I was like, oh, the reason where Magic Marker came from is the same company that produces uh, these magic ink markers. So it's just interesting to see that if these were like the original like glass wow. bottle magic ink, you're like, oh, then they started producing them for like the British market. And then this is what they looked like. Great for that packaging. Day. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, the, the individual packaging, and then sometimes you see the variants, and even within this, like these are one of the more common, I think, marker brands that you see. But what I was looking for is um, the newer ones have UPC codes uh -huh. on the exterior box, and I'm like, okay, if it doesn't have a UPC code, just go in there, clear it out. It's you know, um, something nice to have. So a lot of the times I'd be getting things based on like I like really having full sets or uh, packaging. Then sometimes you just find things that are like, you know, the markers themselves aren't anything, but like the, the package graphics are really- Very cool. Funny or cool. Um, so this is like a generic sort of like marker set. Um, the markers themselves are, you know, unbranded. Like these days it would have like Mickey Mouse or Frozen or whatever right. on license. But even within that, you'll like find these like a little sticker of like, oh, this is the black cat. And you're yeah. supposed to put this sticker on. Oh, the oh, those are stickers for the markers. Yeah. Those are cool. So there's like an orange one and then, you know. Oh, very cool. To go on them. So I was like, oh, wow, this is just like a very like, you know, nice little set. I could um, see this stuff also informing your graphic art. Am I wrong? Yeah. Like, you know, as you say, like icons or mascots. Um, yeah, just like different like layout bits. Uh, this is like a sometimes like again the packaging they'll always throw out. So whenever I get stuff, I'll always be like, "Can you just give me the box as well?" Right. These aren't the box that they came with, but for Magic Ink, like the Goku die. Whenever you see Goku die, it's like a pre UPC, and uh -huh. then they're a bit older. So like I would learn. Yeah, after a while, I'd learn like within each specific brand, like what makes how do you tell if one is older than the other one mm -hmm. other brands and that's kind of been um you know something that you learn along the way but it's been definitely you know i want to in japan like i want to get the cream of you know i want to get the cream like i can always get all this common stuff but if anything i was sure. just really looking for you know the older bits because i have limited yeah. space um, now, forgive my ignorance on this. Yeah. These these pens are long dried up, right? They don't have ink still in them, do they? Some of them do. You can reactivate it with uh, like rubbing alcohol. You can kind of put a dropper in, in, in it and it'll reactivate the ink well. Oh. Like if you can visualize, like usually it's just, um, you know, in, in the barrel of the marker, there's just usually like, a sponge somewhere in there right, right. that has right. all the, the ink that like usually when you take out or unscrew the bottom but um there's still pigment and there's still you know like ink dust or something and if, yeah. if you if you put alcohol in it and, and activate it um usually they'll they'll rework but i think before like a lot of them would have like refillable so even in that subset you you know for me i would find these uh like different 
refills. Yep. So this is like a maybe like this is like mid seventies, early eighties, like ink refill. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times, you know, I think that's what's neat about things. It's like it wasn't such a disposable society. It's like, okay, we want you to buy these things and here's the refill for it. In the same way, people that collect pens, it's like here's the replaceable like cartridges mm -hmm. and filters. Mm -hmm. And it was meant to be you know, the barrel lasts forever and what you're replacing is the, the, the ink. Um, so that's why, like, for the most part, I collect, like, markers, but then anything related to markers, like refill inks. Like, this is an older Sakura um, glass bottle, like, vial. And what you would do is, on these particular ones, it comes with, like, a plastic dropper. Uh-huh. So you'd, like, get the ink out and then you just... <laughs> put it in, in inside the inside the marker like almost like right from where the, the nib is and uh -huh. let, it, let it saturate through um so within the marker a bit and that's what's interesting about collecting because i think like if i'm already there to get the markers i'm usually finding anything else old there um so if I see like these old ink refill tins, I'm like, this isn't really what I collect, but it's adjacent. So these are pretty much like similar to like Marsh T grade refill inks. It's probably the exact same vessel. Uh -huh. And then when I think about it, I'm like, oh, like you might have produced for that for brand. Me. I think whenever I see things like that, it's just like the amount of packaging and time and effort that went into these things. They are really nice. Um, yeah, as you say, like tools of the trade, it's like what people use. I think there's something nice to be, I think maybe, you know, people are, want to have tools. People want to have like, you know, tired of digital. It's like, Hey, what do you use to make things? It's like yeah. not as attractive to see, you know, like, Oh yeah, here's my old version of Photoshop or illustrator. Like people love seeing, I think, creative tools and how, how things yes. are made. Yes. Um, so yeah, some of it's just, you know, I think this was, was an interesting one. It's just like the old, uh... you know, it's funny because it's like, as much as I collect black markers, like there's um, a subset of, of collectors that all they do is collect liquid paper. So really? based, based on that, yeah, there's these people that just collect liquid paper, like pens. And based on that, I was like, you know, they'll reach out to me and they're like, Hey, if you're ever out there and you find like old liquid paper. So, you know, I'll increase my sort of range. Like uh -huh. it used to just be like, okay, black markers, but then I'd go into a store and I'm like, well, there's all these vintage markers around. I'm not going to just like leave them here. And then from there it started being like, okay, well, if you see other things, vintage stationary, um, try to pick those up as well. So again, like the boxes, like this is an old SG7, Sakura SG7 box. Very cool. Um, these are just like different. Oh, yeah. So yeah, this is the action marker that I was referring to of uh, when somebody reached out to me to see what Alexander Girard was using. Uh-huh. That was uh, it? That was that style pen? Yeah. So was, this is what I guessed that it was. And uh, yeah, for example, like all I saw in, in the picture was... Oh, wow. Oh, shit. Um, oh, leaky. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's leaky. Uh, I just saw the the uh, 
the tip size, I saw the profile and I saw just this rough, like grainy digitalized thing. And I saw the threading on the back and I was like, oh, okay. Like based on what I know about that um, company and that brand, I was like, I think it's this marker. Um, so some of the other stuff that I found in Japan is like a old stationery. And then that's where I start getting into like these other sub collections. Yeah. The, you know, I think that's what's interesting when collections intersect. Wow. So these are uh, like old pencil sets. Yep. Oh, so I love this. Is, this is the sort of stuff I love. Yeah. So like if you like stationary and then you're just like, oh, like you like yeah. car, car stuff, you know, you start getting these intersections. Very cool. When, like what roundabout era are those from? Um, I would say well, 80s. I think car people would know better than I would based on the model of car. But if I would to say like, yes, early eighties, like yeah. all this formula one pencil, <laughs> there would yep. be, um, data identifiers on them. So I'd see like Harley Davidson. Yeah. So those are set. wood pencils. Is that what those yeah. are? Wood cool. pencils. So like, if you open them up, like on the barrel, they all like feature these like little like designs, I guess. Yep. I remember being in the stationery store when I was like in second grade and I would collect the pencils that they sold there. Yeah. Okay. And I yeah, had so a collection I, yeah. of unused pencils for years. And then I just eventually like, it didn't go anywhere. Not like it was, I was consciously trying to do anything with it. I'm just saying like, I lost interest in collecting pencils, but I wish I kept them. I wish I had them yeah, now. There's like beauty in every individual item that you collect. And I think that's the thing is sometimes when you're just like, oh, if, if it means something to you and you like it, um yeah so like one of the things i you know see is like this time around or whatever i was like okay like old you know car racing related stationary yeah um and then these are really cool 80s and stuff i've never seen this before but it's a marker it's like a squeeze soft soft vessel um usually like whenever i see pop mate it's just like really cheap really plastic i prefer collecting anything with a metal barrel or a glass barrel mm -hmm. these were like oh wow this is just like a really interesting like shape and design yeah um so I is that uh, uh, when i think of markers i think of the typical magic marker shape that long barrel these yeah. little stubby ones are those the are, are those uh uh more um widely available are, is that the proper shape of a marker and i've had it wrong all these years part of me thinks that that was probably the first markers in the 50s like when i see some textbooks and people have this cross section um of a marker it's usually a metal jar, like a glass jar vessel and then they have like the wick coming out and then a screw top nib it very much looks like Somebody took, <laughs> you know, like an old baby food jar or something like yeah. welded, you know, the top. Um, and that's why I say, I think those are the things it's like, you know, I'm not a, a researcher or historian. And sometimes I, you know, invent these stories of like, oh, no, I think this is how it happened. But when I see some of these early glass bottle markers and I see the magic marker and I see all these stubby ones, I really think that was the first sort of you know if you say patented or like those are the early forms of marker um i think you know that was that and then after a while it becomes you know all these all these different shapes and different sizes you told me that you were um attempting a guinness world record i think like 
you know, it's like you, you you grew up and you're like, oh yeah, Guinness, Guinness, like oh that's the, that that's the thing. It's like I, I researched on how to do it. You have to apply, and then you have to have your entire collection, and somebody mm -hmm. has to come in and collect. And you know, like I think there yes, there is something nice to be you know in the same way. Well, I want a Grammy. I want to you know I got a Guinness Book of World Records. Like it is something that um, like legitimizes something. But you know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, I think in my you know when you say it in my head, I'm like. I don't, I don't know anyone else with, you know, a thousand markers. Like, I think that's the right. number, you know? Right. So it's like less to me where it's like, I, without knowing, I'm like, I think you have to pay something to the Guinness book. Maybe there might be, there might be a fee. Shout out to Marla Mogul. I had a Guinness world record holder for wind up oh, wow. toys. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. She was telling me about um, the process of getting your the collection verified. You need to like send photos. You need to have somebody come and take stock in it. There, there is a whole set of guidelines that you have yeah. to adhere to strictly, strictly to be recognized. Because she was telling me like she once she got the record, she was having other collectors hitting her up saying that they have more. And <laughs> it's also about what what the the Guinness people um, allow as an entry. She was having problems because some of her stuff was a little more um, blue or or, or X-rated, a little a okay. little bit more. Uh, probably some wind-up toys that had like you know nudity or whatever about yeah. them. That's, that's um, the I know which one you're referring to. Say again. I said I, I, I've I've seen the ones you're referring to. Yeah, right. Like certain wind-up toys that are like that. I don't imagine that that's similar to markers, although there are those pens with like the pinup girls, right, and the and the yeah. Chippendales guys. I don't so, think that ever. Yeah, I don't think there's any like salacious or like like X-rated yeah markers at all. Right. I think again, you know, like you have your own classification, and yes, it's nice to be like you know the the stamp of this is the this is the, the collector's board. But you know, I I'd like to think that's why I would just say it's just like I, I you know tagline is like quote unquote world's largest collection of black markers. Because, yeah, it's cool. You know, I, I, I think. Other than, you know, going through the process of, of getting it, like, officially um, documented. Not to say, like, so what, but I'm like, okay, well, I have a pretty big collection. And yeah. I'm pretty happy with that. I can't believe we're getting to this question this late in the interview, but did you collect anything as a child? Well, sure. Everybody, you know, stickers. Like, I think, like, when you're a kid, you're just like, everything is a collection. You're like, I have a collection of sticks. I have a collection of tadpoles. I have a collection of, you know... Yeah, stickers. I have a collection of like rocks. Um, yeah, I think collecting probably, you know, I would like to say every human has a collection or just, you know, this is our stuff. Right. <laughs> right. You know, comic books or something. It's just like, you know, you have your own little room or your cubby hole or like, I have, you know, this is my collection of string that I found. This is my collection of, you know, whatever. It's just, uh, you know, belongings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what has this collection, um, what has it shown you? What kind of doors has it opened for you? What has it, how has it added to your life? Um, I think it's just, you say, like, connection to craft. It's just like, I think, you know, sometimes when people say, like, hey, what do you do? I'll be like, well... I think at the end of the day, I can, like I'm a good drawer, but I've expanded that to being like, okay, I can use a computer. I can do these different things. I have creative ideas. I have all these sort of 
you know, I can do all these different things, but I think sometimes like the simplicity of like, Oh, at the end of the day, I think sometimes I'm like, you know what? Like I'm a good drawer. <laughs> if you gave me, you know, a marker and paper, I would be like content and happy. Um, I think that the simplicity of that, I think is a collection of like, yeah, I've always just found it's just like, I'm easily amused. I think as long as I, you know, have, have some drawing tools, I think sometimes, you know, when people say like, oh, you have to like know how to use an iPad Pro or you need to like use this Wacom or you need to use this, you need to use that. I think, you know, people are like, you need to be a muralist. You need to be using this. You need to be that. I think sometimes it's just, uh, yeah, the bare bones, like tools of the trade. I think that's one of the things that I think is the collection has been great for me. It started as a utilitarian thing. It doesn't dominate my overall, you know, identity um i was like oh my gosh like this is all i do i just am just enamored by uh what people use to express themselves or communicate a lot of times i'll just be burnt out digitally of like creating something on a computer but you know sometimes you're like well what am i going to draw i'll just be like well i'll just you know i have a hundred markers in a box that i haven't properly documented i could probably just spend some time drawing and then yeah i guess just all the travel bits. Like I said, it's like, I know traveling is always eye-opening and it's it's great, but I think, again, just the, the Japan trip and just being able to see a country and while you're pursuing, you know, a, a collection. I think, uh, yeah, sometimes people would be like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm just going to visit old stationery stores. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, why is it weird? It's like, I'm sure record collectors, you know, do the same thing. Or if you're like, hey, I'm going on a snowboarding trip or I'm going on a cycling trip and these are the places you have to go. I just treated it like that. And I think, you know, um, yeah, I think in that regards, it's like, yeah, through passively, if like looking for markers has led me to experience different cultures and um, meet different people or be in spaces that I wouldn't have been in unless I was looking for markers. I think that's been a pretty neat off offshoot of it. Um, again, it's just like talking to other people that generally uh, collect markers and are into it uh, through different like you know fields of professions. I'm always just happy to you know trade notes and be like, oh yeah, like markers, cool. 